Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri. Of course, as always, joined by Allison Aletha. Al, how you doing? I'm living my best life. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, we've also got a very special guest. You know her as the face of Zelda Universe. We've got Amanda on the show with us today. Uh, how's it going? And thanks for coming on with us. Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. Yes. It, it, it feels like a long time coming. And I was right? just saying, like, before we got started here, you and I are the only people in the world, I think the only two people in the world that have a Zelda show and have a Metroid show. So You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's, there's some kinship there, I feel like. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, th- this feels like a long time coming. Uh, really excited to uh, to have you on the show. Um, I, you know, you are you make uh, the videos and then the Zelda news roundup for Zelda Universe, but just for anyone that out there that isn't familiar with your work, uh, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and where we can find you on social media. Okay, um, so I'm Amanda. I am with Zelda Universe. I started off as a news writer and now I host the news series each week. I host Zelda News. I'm also usually on convention panels, typically, you know, well, when we have conventions and can actually go live and all that. Um, I host a lot of the Zelda panels that we do through Zelda Universe and I'm also on their podcast. And then I'm on the Shine Sparkers podcast as well. Yes. Um, I host that one. That's the, that's the Metroid podcast that I host. And you can find me um, also on Twitch. I host uh, my own show and then I'm on the Zelda Universe show every Sunday. I play a show called Running Blind where I play games I haven't played before. So that's always fun. Especially when it's like a game that everybody else has played before and I haven't. So it's just like getting to experience that for the first time while everybody else cringes because they all know what to do. Uh, But on social media, you can find me at Amanda Van Heil and Van Heil spelled V-A-N-H-I-E-L. There you go. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to put over the Shine Sparkers podcast for a second here. Um, I, I have a Metroid podcast as well, but like, man, I, I listened to that one um, or I, bit, I caught up on that one a couple weeks ago and now I'm, I'm up to date. Uh, really, really cool interview with the voice actress of Samus. Oh my Metroid gosh, that Other was M. so awesome getting to talk with her. Like when I found out we were going to get to talk with Jessica, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> fangirling here. Really, really, really insightful. And uh, yeah, I, I had it. I had a, a good time listening to that. So yeah, make sure that you check uh, that show out because yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And by God, the more Metroid content that we have out there, the better. That's right. All right. Well, uh, we have got a good Zelda show for you guys today. Um, you know, we we don't still have much in the way of uh, Nintendo news, Zelda news, nothing. We know that Breath of the Wild 2 and Metroid Prime 4 are out there stuck in Inception limbo. So today... We asked you guys to head over to Facebook and give us all of your questions about Ocarina of Time specifically. So uh, we, without further ado, we're going to get into some Ocarina of Time Q&A here. Uh, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I am Let's as ready it. as I can be when it comes to a Q&A. I always get nervous when I get put on the spot. So we'll see how I do. <laughs> well, well, we'll try our best to cover for you. But, uh, you know, some, some of these questions make me nervous too because they're pretty in-depth questions, are they not? I, yeah, they definitely are. Some some things I have questions, what the heck are you talking about? But we'll get there. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, well, Allison, how about you kick us off here? Uh, Dave wants to know, how come we never see the Kokiri again? They're much more interesting than Koroks. First of all, do you think that they're more interesting than Koroks? I mean, I, I, 
I don't know. I really like Koroks, but I, I understand that we only saw them once and everybody's just kind of like, well, where'd they go and what happened to them and why don't we see them ever again? And I guess it's one of those things that they evolved, right, during Wind Waker because Hyrule was flooded and, you know, humans couldn't survive underwater, so they evolved into these little flying tree sprites, as far as I know. You, anybody could correct me if I'm wrong. But that's why we never see them again, because, I mean, they're still technically Kokiri, and they're still technically protected by the Deku Tree, but they just had to evolve to survive, you know, the destruction of their world. So, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely that's buy into the theory that... Answer. I definitely... Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely buy into the theory that the Kokiri evolved into the Koroks, um, because it's said in Ocarina of Time that the Kokiri cannot leave the forest. So after everything happens and like with Wind Waker, everything floods, well, something had to ha They couldn't leave, so they turned into Koroks. And that explains why the Koroks are just so sprightly and fun and like childlike. Well, the Kokiri never really age. They don't grow up. So they're essentially like the lost boys of Neverland. So they just turn into Koroks and stay fun and happy forever. Yep. Um, and, and I think that they, like, they really just like actually say that as a matter of fact in the Wind Waker, right? Like that the, uh, the Kokiri evolved into the Koroks and stuff like that. So I think that uh, there's a good reason that we don't see the Kokiri again. But I also think that, like, from um, from kind of a storytelling perspective, it's almost better that you don't see them again either, because then they have that, like, aura of mystery about them, and they're kind of, like, these mysterious, like, forest-dwelling creatures that aren't there anymore. So I, I think that that's a pretty cool kind of trope. And, um, you know, I will agree that I think that they're more interesting than Koroks, but, again, that kind of adds to the mystique, and it's, like, if you go back to it too much, then you know, it's not as interesting. So there yeah, you go. that's fair. Um, let's move on. Richard wants to know, would you like to see the Deku scrubs return? If so, as enemies or like a race of people in Majora's mask, Amanda, what do you think? Oh, definitely like a race of people in Majora's mask because Deku link was just so adorable. And I liked the Deku palace a lot. I thought that that was really neat. So I'd like to see them come back as, as good guys because they were, I mean, there were still some nice ones, like in Ocarina of time, you know, they were like businessmen. So there were just a few cranky ones that were out there, like causing problems. But I think for the <laughs> most part, they can be good guys. So I'd like to see them come back and be a race of people. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I had, uh, I, I pitched, God, it seems like forever ago, but when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, I pitched an Ocarina of Time style remake, and I had the Deku Scrubs in there, and like, they had a little, they had a thing called Wood Street, which is like a play on Wall Street. I think that there's a lot left to, um, to get out of the Deku Scrubs. Uh, they're, they're very charming, they're visually unique, and I, I, I really like that you can kind of play into like, their, their merchant kind of, um, affiliation and like you can make him a little bit more greedy than your average race i i actually am surprised that we've never seen him since but yeah i would love to see them come back i would too i really liked um you know and i wouldn't be opposed to it being both like a race of a race of creatures and just some enemies because if i'm thinking about the zora in a link to the past and a link between worlds um because like the zora were evil for the most part, but, and I, I can't say for a link to the past, but in a link between worlds, there were good Zora that you talked to. So it would be kind of interesting if there was like, you know, a faction that was just kind of like evil. They didn't like humans and they just attack you because they're monsters. But then, you know, that 
they have there's the kind like in Majora's Mask where they have a sense of like I don't know dignity and humanity and they want to coexist and that kind of thing I'd really like that I'd like that for a lot of you know returning races that'd be really cool well that's a three for three for uh, for our boys the Deku Scrubs to come back so you know hopefully one thing that I think Breath of the Wild was so good at was like bringing in all of these different races and stuff like that maybe we can even see an expansion of that kind of concept in Breath of the Wild too I'm hoping so we will we will see I got a a mouthful for you guys on this question so you're gonna have to buckle up and tell me what you think um Jet Jetiel asks Ocarina of Time splits the timeline into three parts adult kid and downfall the first two make sense since it's time travel, but the last one doesn't make sense unless someone else time travels after Link dies. There is a theory that that person is Zelda, and she went around helping Link as Sheik because he failed the first time. Not only help him in the ways we see, but also by teaching the Windmill Man the Song of Storms and other ways, etc., etc., making him think that he does everything on his own. What do you think of that theory? Jeez, that's. A I've lot. never heard that Jeez. theory. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that either. That's interesting. I, I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you consider, you know, Zelda um, doesn't do anything after the seven years that Link sleeps, and he goes through all this, and he dies, and she's like, "Well, crap! I'm gonna back travel and become Sheik, and I'm gonna help him." And that's what we see in the game. Is that what th- I think? That's what the theory is saying. I think that's what the theory is implying that the whole thing would take place in a downfall setting. Interesting. Yeah, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. I I I know a lot of people are kind of really iffy about this split in three. Like like I know Andy is, but I personally like it, and I think it makes things kind of like different and intriguing, and you kind of get to go in these three parallel, um, like realities. And I think that the end game. Uh, Avengers Endgame kind of mechanics of time travel explain this more to people, in my opinion. So I like it. I think that's a cool theory, and I'm I'm down. I'm here for it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely like it. I it's something I never thought of, and it makes the downfall timeline make a little more sense, rather than it's just well he failed. Oh well. It it gives a little more depth to the story and reason for there to be another timeline split like that so i like it and it makes and it shows that zelda is capable because you see really how much she can do as chic and so it kind of gives her a little more credit there so i like that idea you know what i don't hate it actually when i first read it i was like what is this um i'm, I'm not the biggest fan of like the the timeline splitting into all these like different directions and stuff. And I, I especially don't like the downfall timeline because I'm like, I never lost an Ocarina of Time. I didn't die. So this this would actually kind of make sense of that different timeline. And, you know, I, I'm i down for it. If, uh, if it can retroactively make something that I think doesn't make sense make a little bit more sense, then, you know, I, I'm for it. Um, it would definitely be... It's definitely an interesting concept that... You know, like you kind of said with Avengers Endgame, it's like putting the pieces back in the correct order, even after you've lost, to make a different timeline, but like maybe that other timeline still exists in, in the fashion. So, you know what? I don't hate it. I think that it's actually kind of a, a cool theory now that I'm now that I'm kind of hearing you guys elaborate on it out loud. So, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Nice. Um, David Lasby. Uh, one of our editors asks, would you like to see Nintendo further explore the idea of Link as a war orphan 
and perhaps develop his family history. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm not really interested in that, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. I think that what we got at the, uh, at the beginning of Ocarina of Time was probably enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just like, you know, I like my Zelda whimsical and colorful and cheery. And when I, when I hear terms like war and orphan and like that kind of stuff, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that him as uh, Kokiri was good enough for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think Zelda is very much an optimistic series. And so I think if you dwell too much on the what Link went through prior to his adventures rather than looking forward to the future, I don't think it would have the same feel. Um, I mean, it would be cool. I, you know, I'm all I really like theories and because it's just fun coming up with possibilities of what there could be. Um, so, you know, if somebody came up with like a cool idea behind it, then I'd of course read into it and be interested and go, Hey, that's, that's pretty neat. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to know more of his backstory, but ultimately it's a story. Zelda's an, a, a story of optimism, not a story of, of sadness and depression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could say that, you could get the story of like his origin story and where he comes from and it could be depressing but he still comes out of it you know becoming the hero and that could be the optimistic part of it i i personally would love i always love a good origin story so i would love to see more about where he comes from where his roots are um what exactly happened that made his mother run into the forest and you know drop the drop link at the Deku Tree's feet, uh, like roots. I was gonna say feet, but <laughs> he doesn't have feet. Um, I, I personally would like to know that information. I understand that there's an air mystery to Link, and he was always supposed to be, you know, the player's Link into the game where it feels like they're playing. But I just feel like we're at the point now where Link just feels like his own character, and I would love to m know more about him. So, I, I think that, I think that I would say yes to this question. Okay, okay. Well, Allison, we have a question specifically just for you here oh my God. Uh, from from one Andrew Mabbitt. Uh, how many Deku sticks would it take to build Hyrule Castle using only Deku sticks? Uh, I'm going to shout out. How, how did this question get in here? <laughs> First of all, shout out to my brother. <laughs> this is my brother's question. I actually asked him because he, he wound up liking the Facebook page, and I was like, hey, we're doing a question thing. Maybe we'll read your question. And, of course, he had to be a complete dork and ask something silly. So, <laughs> um, how many Deku sticks would it take to build Hyrule Castle? 16 million. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Al, do we have time for a quick story about Andrew Mavitt at the Zelda Dungeon Marathon? Uh, is it appropriate? <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, Gray asks a really good question here. How could Ocarina of Time be improved? Would post-game content like optional bosses and dungeons be fun? Um, Amanda, I'll let you kick us off with this one. Oh, that's a good question. I had not thought of that. How could Ocarina of Time be improved? Um, you know, to me, the only way Ocarina of Time could be improved is for there to be, like, another direct sequel. Not as much as Majora's Mask is wonderful, a direct sequel to the events of Ocarina of Time. So rather than just like a few extra bosses, I'd rather just see like a full second game, just a continuation of the story of it. Um, now that like all the sages have 
have revealed themselves and can continue what's happening there. So something that happens right after Ocarina of Time, but before Twilight Princess happens. Yeah, I'm all about that. I think that Ocarina of Time is as close to a perfect game as any game ever made. I think that like, I think that like Ocarina of Time and Super Metroid are the two that I think are like the, the, the perfect games almost. Um, so I don't, it's almost tough to say like in, on one hand, I feel like, like I wouldn't want to mess with that. So like, I almost wouldn't want to improve anything. I mean, on the other hand, like, of course, if it had more bosses, more dungeons, um, you know, that'd be really cool. I don't think it would take away from the experience, but, um, you know, I, I do think that there, we, we had a question later actually asking us our least favorite thing about Ocarina of Time. So maybe I'll save my answer for this segment, but there's one little nitpicky thing that I have that I think could improve the game. Um, other than that, I mean, like, like I said, like this is, this is a perfectly blended cocktail, you know, like, I, I don't know if I want to add in a whole lot of extra, extra ingredients to this because it goes down fantastic as it is right now. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Elle? I would agree. I, I think my only thing that I would maybe add to it to improve it would be like the NPC and the um, side quests that we get in Majora's Mask because you get so emotionally invested in that game because of those characters and because of these side quests of you helping them. And I understand my emotional connection to Ocarina of Time and like the three main characters and the sages, but it would be nice to have like a little more involvement in the, the rest of the world. It kind of feels like you're just there for the the main event at the end, you know? So I, I think that could make it just the absolute most perfect game. Um, as far as, like, optional bosses and dungeons, does Ocarina of Time have a kind of enemy gauntlet like some of the other Zelda games? Because that would be kind of fun, I think, as an option at the end, like a cave of ordeals or whatever. Uh, the Gerudo Training Grounds is probably as close as we get to, like, an optional kind of oh, a gauntlet yeah, yeah, yeah. in that game. So, yeah, that's that's fine. Um, all right, let's keep it, uh, let's keep it moving here. Read asks a fantastic question that I feel like is a no-brainer. What do you think of an Ocarina of Time remaster in Breath of the Wild's art style? Sign me up, Reed. Sign me up. That sounds cool. I'd play it. That'd be so pretty. I mean, I'm all for another Ocarina of Time remaster. To me, Ocarina of Time just needs to be playable on every system ever because it's such an important (laughs) game, so sure. (laughs) I actually, I'm kind of surprised because I, I thought this would be a no. It's a no for me. I just think, what I really, I think that Ocarina of Time's art style is so iconic and so just like, it's just, it's just what I picture when I think of the Legend of Zelda series. I wouldn't want it to change. I love Breath of the Wild's art style. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think Ocarina of Time should be remastered in that art style. I think Ocarina of Time has its own identity and should stay that way. Oh, no, I, I disagree with you hard there. Like, the thing about Breath of the Wild's art style is that, yes, it's unique to that game, but it's also like a a medley of every art style that worked in the series beforehand. So you have, like, you have all the best aspects of Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and Skyward Sword and even Twilight Princess, and you have it boiled in a pot, and you come out with that, you know, the, the quintessential art style, which Breath of the Wild has. Like, I... I think, like, to me, that's, like, the definitive art style of the series that I want to see, like, every game look like going forward. So, yeah, I would be, like, I'd be all about that. 
Indeed. I can't believe you said no. I thought that'd be an easy yes for you. Uh, no. <laughs> I, like I said, I love Breath of the Wild's art style. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's fantastic. I think it's beautiful. But I, I really like that every game has its own identity as an art style. And so I rather it stay. I rather them all stay their own original identity. All right. Well, I, I guess uh, I guess I won't argue with you there any more than <laughs> I already have. Let's move on. Uh, Lulu has two questions for us here, guys. Uh, what are your guys' favorite and least favorite enemies to fight in Ocarina of Time? Uh, my least favorite is absolutely Tektites in the Water Temple. Those little <laughs> hopping guys that just hop and they they always hit you when you're jumping in midair. And then you fall in the water in the Water Temple. They are the absolute worst. Or, I will say Fire Keys that always burn your shield into Dongo's Cavern. Oh, Those are yeah. the two worst enemies, I feel like. Um... I don't know. Do, do bosses count for the best enemies? I was going to say a they boss. They totally count. So yeah. I think Twin Rova if bosses count. That's an awesome fight. For sure. What do you think, Amanda? My favorite boss fight is the the Dark Link battle. I really enjoyed that um, just because I feel like there's so much meaning to the fight. It's, it's kind of like that scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke, like, fights, fights like, fake vader or imaginary vader force vader and then like sees his face on it so it's it's fighting his own inner battle so i really like that i thought that was really neat um i also like bongo bongo because that was just fun and yes. i also like i like fighting dead hand just because they're terrifying and i just like them gone um <laughs> <laughs> least favorites oh gosh i'm gonna have to say wall masters just because like i always scream as soon as they get me so I'm gonna oh, have to yeah. say good that. answer. They good make answer. me scream. <laughs> Same, except it's more from rage. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um, I think my least favorite would have to be those clams in the I don't know what they're called in the water temple. I if you don't get the timing right with them and then they just turn around and attack you, it's just super annoying. Um, like likes are always awful. Um, oh, I can't think of those big flying uh plant things out in hyrule oh the things in hyrule Field. yeah, yeah oh i know what you're talking horrible. about yeah. those are weird um my favorite though i would have to say i really like the iron knuckle fights i think those are super cool um i i also really like bongo bongo that's one of my favorite b bosses to fight in that game but i feel like the iron knuckles are kind of fun because you kind of it kind of feels like you're I don't know, fighting with somebody that's actually on your caliber and you have to be kind of strategic to get him and dodge him and you flipping all around. I really like that. So that's kind of my favorite. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Um, okay, so Lulu has the same question, your favorite and least favorite, except this is about mini games in Ocarina of Time. Uh, Allison, what do you what do you think? I'm trying to think of the mini games in Ocarina of Time. I, I like the... the um, the archery one in the Gerudo. Uh, when you're on Epona? Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Um, I think that's a lot of fun, and like the point system is cool. I'm trying to think of one that, a mini game I don't. Oh, you know what? The bomb chew bowling thing with the yep, the there it walking is. around. That is obnoxious. There it is. That, that's my answer. <laughs> my least favorite for sure. Uh, it, honestly, my, my favorite would probably be Gerudo Valley as well, actually. Nice. I'm going to second and third that and definitely say Gerudo <laughs> yes. Valley is my favorite. At least favorite is Bomb Bowling. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's... I just feel so cool, like, riding on Epona and, like, shooting all the targets. And when you just get them all, like, down the line, it's just, like, I don't know. You oh, just feel yeah, cool that's when nice. you do that. It's very satisfying. You know what? Since we all just, just dumped on, on Bomchu Bowling, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it a bone here and say that, like, you know those times when you're playing Bomchu Bowling and, like, for some reason you just get the timing exactly right on your first try and, like, you, you feel awesome when that happens. And there's no rhyme or reason to it almost. It's like you, you can never duplicate it. But the times where you get Bomchu Bowling correct and like your first go, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, I would agree it's with that. It's just every other feeling is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could I could say that because then I feel like, oh, I'm so good at this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Justine asks, why do you think Ocarina of Time is considered by some to be the greatest game ever made? And do you agree that it deserves to be at the top of game rankings. Um, so I, I, first of all, I think it does deserve to be there. I think that Ocarina of Time is considered to be the greatest game ever made because, and you got to kind of put yourself back in 1998, but like when this game came out, we were still in like the early era of, you know, bringing 2D into 3D games and everything that consider this like everything that ocarina of time did almost became industry standards overnight um before ocarina of time there was no such thing as z targeting for example there was no such thing as context sensitive buttons there was you know the the engine for this game has been used so many different ways in so many different games and not just by nintendo um the the engine was just like so well put together and so crisp i think that you know, they found an awesome story. They found an awesome uh, graphical style that really kind of blended the like the the whimsicalness of the first game, to, like brought it into the 3D world really well. Um, they nailed the music. They nailed like they just nailed everything with this game. But like, just fundamentally, the the innovations that this game made from a control standpoint is like probably reason alone why. You know, a lot of people consider this one of the best games ever made. So, yeah, I, I think it deserves to be at the top of game rankings for sure. I do, too, 100%. Like, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I feel like Ocarina of Time is the poster child of the Legend of Zelda series. You think Legend of Zelda and... Okay, I shouldn't say that for everybody. But most people think Legend of Zelda and they think Ocarina of Time. It's just so iconic. The standards that it's set as far as story. It's got a timeless story. The, all the dungeons are really, really solid. I feel like I don't really have very much, very many negative things to say about them. Um, the traversing around Hyrule is pretty. Um, I, I, I want to say it's kind of it's kind of small, but that's at the time it was huge. Like now compared to Breath of the Wild, it's smaller, but at the time it was so big and it felt so open and it felt like you could just go anywhere and it was fantastic. And, and day and night cycles. Yeah, that was another thing that, that Ocarina of awesome. Time did. Um, yeah. I, like I said before, the art style has its own identity. I just think it looks, especially when it got remastered in 3D, it just looks so crisp. It looks, it just looks and feels like such a great fantasy adventure that it definitely deserves to be up there in the higher rankings. And it's just such a great iconic game that set the standard for the rest of the series. Absolutely. Um, you know, it gets said all the time how Ocarina of Time revolutionized gaming and it's very true there are so many games we have because of Ocarina of Time because that it it did set a standard it's most games uh, most adventure games since then have pretty much followed the same 
same style, same same like concept, same mechanics, and they were all made possible because of Ocarina of Time. And it did such a good job with the world building, with the the different areas like the different like Grudo and the the Grudo Valley Kokiri Forest you had like Zora's Domain everything just looked outstanding and it's taking 2D and turning it 3D did not always work and it and it wasn't super easy to do and they did it spot on they had a memorable soundtrack everything about it was just incredible yeah yeah, you can't can't add on much more to that. I mean, they just this was this is a grand slam, you know. Like this, this could have been a mediocre game, and they produced one of the most important, one of the best games ever made. So, yeah, I think from like a in-game quality standpoint, from like a industry kind of shaking standpoint, uh, this is it's the best. I think it's the best. So, yeah, I would say that it deserves to be at the top there. Uh, let's move on. Judy asks, do you enjoy the first part of the game where Link is a child or the second part of the game where he's an adult better? What do you think, Amanda? Honestly, I like the second half better simply because I really don't like Jabu Jabu's Valley. That's to this day, I still have problems with that. I don't have any problem with anything else in the game except for getting through Jabu Jabu's Valley. But I like the second half better um, just because I, I like the temples that take place later because I love the forest temple. I think that they did a great job with just the style of that. And yes. so I and exploring everything that happens afterwards. And then, you know, once you become an adult, you get to go back to being a kid. So you can go back and forth. So you get that versatility there. So I like the second half better. Yeah, I also like the second half better. I, I think it's kind of cool when you run around as Link and you're talking to people that you talk to as a child. And I feel like the majority of them, at least some of them do, but the majority of them are kind of looking at you like, hey, you're, I kind of recognize you. And I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, but I also just like, I, I like how powerful and cool and like just overall great adult Link feels and you um have you know stronger abilities you get to use the bow instead of the slingshot which i prefer um and then just the rest of the adventure the uh the rest of the dungeons just feel so grown up and so like kind of scary but you're an adult now so you can handle it so i definitely like the the second half of the story better yeah i'll agree i i like the second half better Probably just because there's more dungeons, honestly, to go through. And it's like, it's, it's the longer part of the game. Um, I like the first half, though. Like, playing as a kid is very nice. But it's almost like, like, so that's basically, like, the setup. And then when you're an adult is the payoff. Kind of like you said, like, when you see all the people that you met as a kid and you come back and help them and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to, to say that, like, the payoff part is, is better than the, the setup part. So, yeah, I... Uh, I like the second half better. I, I am also a massive fan of the Forest Temple, but I mean, really, I think that all of the temples in the in the latter half of the game are like fantastic. So, yeah, I uh, I like both, but if I if I had to pick, I would say the adult portion is a little bit better to me. Um, this is a this is a kind of cool question, guys. So David Nystrom asks, "It's been theorized that in development." The medallions Adult Link collects in the temples could have been used as items similar to the medallions in A Link to the Past. If they had been, what do you think each one's ability would have looked like? So to me, 
this is kind of like a this would have been kind of like a prototypical version of like the champion's abilities that you get after you free the divine beasts or whatever like you get Rivali's gale or you get like Urbosa's fury or whatever i could totally see like i don't know Saria's Grace or like uh, uh, Darunia's Fury or like something like that where like if you used him you'd get like an elemental attack or something like that I think that that kind of would have been a cool concept it might have been a little bit a little bit cheesy but uh, and I and I don't know that I missed it by not having it in the game but I think that that might have been actually kind of cool if they would have went in that direction what do you guys think I, I kind of think I feel like they did this in Hyrule Warriors with Sheik's um, like bonus attacks if you get like a certain combo right you get an elemental attack for her and so you could get a fire attack you get a shadow attack a light attack that kind of electrocutes everybody and the the icon that pops up looks a lot like the medallion so i feel like if it was in this development they kind of like they've used it elsewhere maybe even like andy's saying is they used it kind of like in breath of the wild um but i i yeah, I think, like, if you had the fire medallion, it would be, like, you know, volcanic rocks falling down or the shadow attack. It just, again, it's making me think of Sheik's attacks that she has that are elemental in Hyrule Warriors. So it's definitely a possibility, but I, like Andy said, I don't think I missed it by not having it in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I mean, we already had, like, Dense Fire and Furore's Wind, Neighbor's Love, and all that. So... We already had like some use of like elemental attacks in a way. Um, I never really used any of those though. Like I already always got them, but I never actually did anything with them. Um, so, you know, I didn't really see how, like, like you were saying, Allison, I don't really think we missed anything by not having it, but it would have been cool just for like a, it would have been like a cool cutscene if anything else. Um, just the animation that would have taken place with it would have been neat to see. But yeah, I think it was pretty much what we ex we have now, like with the champions and Urbosa's fury and Daruk's protection and all that. Um, I think it probably would have had something something to do. But we already had so many items in Ocarina of Time and so many abilities that it's it. I think it just would have been too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna ask, like, how often did you actually use like the Quake Medallion or any of the other ones in A Link to the Past? Because I never did. Yeah, not a lot. I liked I liked them, but I yeah I didn't use them quite that much. Um, and one of God Moss is gonna kill me for not remembering which one, but one of them is required to get into one of the dungeons, and I think it's the Quake Medallion. I think it's but the Quake. Remember. Yeah. The only yeah. reason I remember that is I played Link to the Past not too long ago. Nice. So that that I think is the only one that I used, and I used it once to get into the dungeon, and <laughs> I think I never touched it again after. Fair. All right, so. Uh, Diego is here with a really interesting question that I actually had to look up some information on because I did not know this. Um, he asks, if Ocarina of Time stuck with its original plan and made it a first-person game, uh, would Zelda as a brand still be where it is today? Now, I have a question for you guys. Had you ever heard that before? I had never heard that before. I think I, think I have in a previous podcast that we've talked about, but I could be, I could be wrong. I, I don't know that that was news to me and I was like what so I I went and looked it up apparently back in 2008 uh, Shigeru Miyamoto actually gave an interview where he said quote at first when we were developing Ocarina of Time I even proposed using a first person perspective 
just to give a little bit more immersion to the player. Um, I thought that would be the best way of enabling players to take in the vast terrain of the Hyrule field and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, man, that's like, that's really, really a what if scenario to think about because like, you know, as we were kind of saying, like Ocarina of Time, the game that we ended up getting was so like perfect basically. And it had so many ideas that became these industry standards overnight that it seems almost unfathomable to imagine it in a first person perspective. But, and I was thinking of you when we got asked this question, Amanda, you can almost say the same thing for Metroid and that's mm -hmm. exactly what they did. So it's really interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, the biggest difference there is just because I'm curious to see the influence that a first person Ocarina of Time would have had on the game industry, just because the way we, we know Ocarina of Time as it is now, that's pretty much how all adventure games got based on after that. So I wonder if that means that there would have been more first person adventures afterwards. And, mm. you know, we've had, we've got like the first person Metroid with, with like Metroid Prime and all that. But then there's 2D, which is platform. Um, the idea of Zelda being in first person, I can't even just, I'm trying to just imagine that right now. And I just don't know how that would have translated. Like, I just don't think it would have been nearly as good just because it's it's such an adventure. I don't, I just don't see it. <laughs> I've, uh, it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat where I keep trying to think about it and think, no, after they did that, they would have like hated it and changed the future games. But like, really, would they have? Because if it had gone well, if it had solidified the fact that Link is supposed to be your like avatar into this game, um, and it made it so that you're you're more immersed and in first person, like I, it's hard to imagine. But if it did happen back then, I think it really would have changed because just because of that concept alone that you're you are Link, not Link as his own character. It just would have solidified that and made all the future games going forward, at least the 3D ones, more of a, like, they would want to keep that. So it is hard to think about because we don't have that. And, and at least at this point, 35 years later, we know we wouldn't like it. But just imagine in 1998 having that, it, it probably would have just completely changed everything. You know what, though? I, I don't know that we wouldn't have liked it because... I'm thinking of a first-person Zelda game, and I'm thinking of Skyrim. Like, it would be kind of like getting Skyrim, but in, you know, 1998 versus, you know, when Elder Scrolls really started to, to pick up with, um, with like, Oblivion and Morrowind and stuff like that. Um, because, I mean, keep in mind, Morrowind didn't come out too terribly long after Ocarina of Time, maybe, like, five years or something. So, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, you know, would this have been... Would this series have progressed more in the direction of what we know to be Elder Scrolls right now? So, like, it's, it's weird to think about. But also, like, in and going back to Metroid for a second, too, like, in Metroid, you have such a distinct, like, there's two distinct series. There's, like, the Metroid Prime series, and then there's just, like, the Metroid series, which is the 2D platforming games. So it's, it's weird to think that, like, maybe Zelda could have followed that similar approach where it would have had, like, your first person, let's just call them... Zelda Elder Scrolls games and then like your traditional top-down 2D Legend of Zelda games. So that's a weird 
parallel universe that I think that we could be living in. But I, I think that it's funny that that idea kind of got shifted towards the Metroid series, which again, I, I think is like, if you were, if you were talking about that in 1998, that's just as unlikely a series for anyone to say like, yeah, this makes sense in a first person perspective. That's so weird to think yeah. about. <laughs> what, what could have been, I guess. Yeah. Um, I wonder how we would relate to Link as a character because when you're when it's through a third person perspective, even though you it's still like Link is like your avatar or whatever, you still see him as somebody else. And Ocarina of Time, it's not like it came out that long after the Legend of Zero. I mean, Legend of Zelda was a grand total of twelve years old when when Ocarina of Time came out. Whereas Metroid had been around a little bit longer to get Samus more established as who she was. So. <laughs> I'm I'm curious as to how that would have made us all see Link, or if he would have even been an established like personality or or anything of that nature. The more we're diving into this, and what Andy brought up with Skyrim is it just made me think about how I play these two games totally different. Because when I'm playing Skyrim, I am thinking of myself in this adventure and making the decisions based on if I was in this adventure, but. Now with Zelda, how it is now, I definitely don't think of myself as Link. So I'm wondering, like, if Andy's right, if we would have loved, liked that back in 1988 and or 1998, sorry, and had been put into that spot of the character, and you would think of yourself going through that adventure, not just following Link through this adventure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Skyrim also lets you like customize your character, so it's it's easier to think of like the characters being you versus you're playing as Link. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a weird parallel universe that we could be living in. And it almost makes me wish that they had, like, I don't know, it makes me wish that they had, like, built the game and, like, not released it, but, like, the, the skeleton of that game was still hidden out there somewhere. Maybe it could have been uh, shown off in the Nintendo Giga Leak that just happened. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool. I would have loved to see that. Um, so great, great question from Diego there. Um, let's move on, though. Milky has a question, and he asks, Do you think that the majority of people who say Ocarina of Time is the best Zelda game truly think that, or are they just saying that because of nostalgia? Allison, what say you? I think people say that about A Link to the Past because of nostalgia. <laughs> oh! Ho, ho. <laughs> I'm take, take that, Mossies! Yeah, I'm just saying that because that is exactly what I was doing for years and years, and then I played it a couple years ago, and I was like, what the heck is, like... I like I like the game I like the story but like it was not as I remembered it as a child like I just have fond memories of playing it with my brothers as a child and then I played it again and I was like uh it's okay I don't I don't know people probably do that with Ocarina of Time but for somebody who like us who play that game at least once a year it, it can't be from nostalgia you don't play a game once a year because of nostalgia you know what I mean Wow, what that's a fire take, Allison. <laughs> I'm gonna get so fired. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Amanda, what do you what do you got to add to that? I mean, I'm gonna have to agree because my thoughts on Link to the Past are the same, especially because like, oh, so the first time I ever played a Link to the Past was actually just a few years ago. I think it was like three, four years ago that I played Link to the Past for the first time, and. Despite the fact that I've been playing like Zelda since I was 12, Ocarina was my first game because I got it when it first came out. Or my first Zelda game, sorry. And 
it's the benefit that Ocarina of Time has, though, to make people keep enjoying it is it's been remastered so many times, so it still stays fresh. But I'd still... I enjoy it better than than A Link to the Past. And yeah, I'm going to get my butt kicked for saying that as well. <laughs> for saying that, like, yeah, this is a million times better in Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time is a million times better. People just like A Link to the Past because it's because of the nostalgia factor. Like, when I played it for the first time, I was just like, okay, this is, this is cool. But it's not, like, the greatest thing ever. Ocarina of Time's better. I like it better. Um, but Ocarina of Time did so much more for gaming as a whole and it's it's just a perfect story so you know like i've i've got to say it really does earn those accolades yeah i i think that it earns those accolades but i am going to say that i do think that it's fair to say that a lot of people have a nostalgia for that game and that factors into it being you know getting the the constant accolades that it does um which I don't think is a bad thing. I, I think that, you know, you you should have nostalgia for, like, good stuff that came out uh, no matter when, right? Like, I, I don't have nostalgia for anything bad from, like, 20 years ago. If it was bad, I write it off. But if it was really great, then I'm like, yeah, this was great. I remember how great it was at the time when it came out. Um, but Ocarina of Time also goes, like, the extra distance. Like, it was great at the time it came out. It's still great today. So I think that nostalgia adds to it but it doesn't need that to you know make it the greatest game of all time to, to me it just is a nice it's a nice like cherry on on the the top of the cake there it's like not only is this what i consider like the fundamental like mechanically most perfect game ever made but this also reminds me of being like 12 years old and, and playing ocarina of time which is fantastic so um yeah i i think that like it's it really is like the whole package i think so good question but i i think it deserves all the accolades that it gets um all right tony has a question he asks did you tremble as a kid when you first saw the redeads outside of the temple of time or was that just me (laughs) yes oh my goodness yes Because you're like, what are these guys? And walk up to them and then they jump you and they're trying to kill you. <laughs> that's At least that's what I did. And I was like, ah, okay, they, these guys are bad. So, yes, I uh, they were terrifying for, at first. They're terrifying now. They're not fun. But you know what? I, I hope they come back in Breath of the Wild too. because I think in oh, that yeah. art style, oh, it would be absolutely yes. terrifying and so fantastic. Yes. So funny story, when I was playing Ocarina of Time for the first time, the TV that I was playing it on was was starting to go out. And so everything started getting like a red tint to it around the time that the Redead started showing up. So it so it already looked like you know, they were already creepy and then everything just looked red and terrifying and i didn't know that that was the television going out i just thought it was the game itself i was like what the heck is going on i was having nightmares from the redead they scared me so much like i couldn't play it for a while and then finally i picked it back up after i got a new television i'm going oh well this doesn't look oh so it was just the tv that was messing everything up well (laughs) never mind then but i mean they still they still startle me i still scream every time like i see them 
God, that red tint TV must have put you in a world of hurt when you saw a dead hand. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was terrible. I couldn't even, I don't even think I got to that until like I got a new television. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be macho here and say that they didn't scare me because uh, because you didn't freeze. But later redeads in the in the game when you're in like the bottom of the well, that's what scares me. Is like when you can't move and they're creeping towards you and it's like oh god. Um, but those those ones didn't scare me too much. But dead hand did. That dude is creepy. Cool. Yeah. What a what a gross gross enemy. Ugh. I want to know how anybody came up with that idea of dead hand. Like, who thought of that design? And why did somebody think of that design? Like, how did that come to somebody? I want to know its backstory. I want to know what the heck created that thing. Like, right? what happened to it to make it like that? I want to know. You know, I, I know that we keep saying, it, like, we'd like to see this and that in Breath of the Wild 2. But man, that would be awesome in Breath of the Wild 2 to see uh, see old dead hand come yeah, back. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. I he, see he didn't show up in Majora's Mask, right? He is not in that game. I don't think so. No, I think I he think was so. just Ocarina. So that that guy's been laying dormant for like twenty years. He's he's ready to pounce. Let's do it. Bring it back. All right, let's uh, let's keep it moving here. Hero of Time asks if the Nintendo sixty four DD had been successful and Euro Zelda was released. How do you think the series would have been impacted by having an expansion of the story and world of Ocarina of Time rather than having the full sequel we got in the form of Majora's Mask? Interesting question. Um, so for anyone kind of on the uh, not in the loop about what the uh, Euro Zelda was, um, there was a a Nintendo 64 disk drive expansion that was uh, supposed to be designed, and I think there's even a few prototypes of this out there in the wild, um, but it was supposed to be designed as basically what we would consider today as being DLC for Ocarina of Time. Um, the Nintendo 64 disk drive did not take off, it was not a success, and uh, the game was never released, but a lot of the ideas that they cooked up for this ended up being used in uh, Majora's Mask and in Ocarina of Time Master Quest. So, you know, it's interesting to think about what would have happened if this had been successful, because, I mean, you have to think that if the Nintendo disk drive had been successful for Ocarina of Time, they would have used it for many other Nintendo games, and perhaps Nintendo would have been more, you know, more savvy and, or quicker on the ball in terms of, you know, switching from cartridges to, um, to discs back when it really mattered back in the, in the late 90s. Uh, and, and I mean, we probably wouldn't have got Majora's Mask either, which is, which is really weird to think about. Um, so I, you know, on one hand, I'm, well, actually, not even on one hand. On all hands, I'm glad that this didn't really pan out because I don't know, I don't know that Nintendo was ready at that time to, you know, to put that extra content down. I don't think that they had an idea of what like, even I don't think they really figured it out until recently, like how to really handle DLC or like extra add-ons and stuff like that. I think that they were really slow in that race. And they were slow in the technology of, of discs as well. Like, even when the GameCube came out, they had those funky little discs instead of, like, your standard DVD discs. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty okay that this didn't happen. And obviously, you know, we got Majora's Mask out of this, so that's a plus. And not only that, but we got Master Quest as well. So this this is a failure that I'm pretty okay with. What about you guys? I, I was just saying I'm the same because, like, and it makes me happy that 
um, Nintendo isn't like, okay, well, this idea for the Nintendo 64 expansion failed, so our ideas for extra Ocarina of Time content failed, so we're not going to do it. They just kind of were like, okay, this idea failed. How can we get these Ocarina of Time ideas into uh, the future? Like, how do we how do we still make them a reality? And then we got Master Quest and uh, Majora's Mask. So I, I can't imagine a world without Majora's Mask, and I don't think a lot of Zelda fans would like that either. So I also agree with Andy that this is a failure that I'm happy it, it occurred. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a very good failure. I wouldn't even consider it a failure. It's just a, they found something better. And I think Majora's Mask is such an emotional game that it it needed to happen. It's, it's such a good storytelling game. It's such a good character study. And so that that's great. And just the fact that Nintendo went another route, like they were, they had mentioned how Breath of the Wild Part 2 was originally going to be some DLC. And then they were like, nope, we want too much. We want more than that. So decided just to build a new game. And I like that they go that route of instead of just going, well, we could just add a few things to it, but you know, let's just, let's just go all out. And instead of like, halfway doing something they'll go all out and go the extra mile and make something even better when something doesn't quite work the way they're hoping i'm yep. yeah i'm glad Nailed to do that yep i agree um all right let's let's move on we got two questions left and this one's a doozy so i hope that you guys have your thinking caps on and allison you're gonna kick us off here oh boy Corey richmond asks what is your least favorite thing about ocarina of time this is so hard to answer. I feel like we've had this question before, and I know Andy's answer, and I had never. Yeah, I, I came prepared. I, I'm cheating a little bit here. <laughs> it's and I, I it's kind of cool knowing Andy's answer because it was something I never thought of before. But I don't know. It's so hard to say because I love most parts of this game. I think one of my biggest things is uh, for a lot of Zelda games is when a dungeon feels like a chore even if it's a fantastic dungeon, and I oftentimes feel like the water dungeon is a chore, unfortunately. Oh, I really oh like the, the, wa the water dungeon. The water temple, whatever. Um, Jeez. <laughs> um, I like it, and it's not as hard as everybody says that it is or as I remember it as a child, but it definitely, it's definitely not that great to be going around raising and lowering the levels of the water. It just kind of feels like a thing I want to get over with. I want to get to that Dark Link fight. I want to get to that boss fight. And I want to move on to the Shadow Temple because that's one of my favorites. So I guess that would be my least p favorite thing about the game. But it's not like it's not like a thing I hate about the game, you know? It's like a really kind of annoyance, really. The, rest, the game is fantastic. It's so hard to pick something. You know what? I would have accepted that answer if you would have said... Um my least favorite thing in the Nintendo 64 version is having to pause and then equip the different boots rather than have them as items. Oh my God. I, I, I could have accepted that answer, but uh, I, I don't know if I'm digging what you're saying about the water temple. Um, you know, in the N64 version, that's my answer is the, the boots and having to constantly pause and switch it over. However, my least favorite thing about Ocarina of Time, which is a very, very nitpicky annoyance kind of a thing is when you are a child, you you meet during the course of your adventure, um, Syria, you meet Ruto, you meet Darunia, you meet Impa, you meet all of these sages that you're going to eventually come back to seven years later. And um, 
and interact with and you know they're revealed to be uh the sages of their of their temples you don't really get that chance with niburu um technically you do meet her as a child but you meet her when you're when the game is like 70 percent over right like you meet her at the start of the spirit temple and then at the end of the spirit temple it's like okay well she's the sage so you don't you don't like have the same kind of connection to her like you you don't have the same amount of of setup so the payoff isn't as as well i think it would have been actually pretty easy to to include a scene with niboru in the the child portion of ocarina of time um you could have had niboru like as one of the guards that is guarding the uh the castle when you're trying to sneak over to you know find princess zelda um so you could have just met her and got to know her a little bit more i think it would have been easy to have her like maybe leading the guard there or like it would have been easy just to just to meet her earlier in the game so that that way later in the game when it when it comes time to like you know the reveal that she is the sage of the spirit temple um you you just have a little it resonates a little bit more because you know it's not as impactful i don't think as some of the other sages so that's that's my least favorite thing very small very nitpicky but something that i would change i think if i if i had that power uh what about you amanda yeah, Andy, I love that because she's one of my favorite characters, so I would love to have seen her more often. I She was like one of the first people I ever cosplayed, so I love her so much. Nice. Um, <laughs> but I I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but Java Java's Valley and just, I love Princess Ruto. I think she's great because she's just, she's just so herself and so unapologetically herself and she knows what she wants and she goes for it. Good for her. But I have no sense of direction, like really no sense of direction whatsoever and i always get lost in in jabu jabu's belly for some reason because everything just seems to look the same so something about that one i have more problems there than anywhere else in the entire game and so that's my only complaint is is just jabu jabu's belly because I, i'm always getting lost while i'm in there if you fall down the wrong like little hole i guess we'll we'll call them yeah jabby jabby's belly can be uh it can be a nightmare yeah it's, it's all this fleshy stuff on the wall yeah i don't like to spend any more time than i have to in that dungeon same um all right we got one more and then we'll get on out of here gabriel asks uh i want to know <laughs> if it's possible that link and zelda are siblings Link was taken to the Deku tree and don't and doesn't know his parents. Zelda's mother is no longer in the picture. Is it possible? Well, Gabriel, sure it's possible. Why not? They they are very uh, you know they're, they're like business associates in Ocarina of Time. They're not exactly like they definitely don't have the same kind of relationship in that game as they do in uh, Skyward Sword or Breath of the Wild. Let's put it that way. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's impossible. What say you? I mean, it doesn't have to be impossible. That doesn't mean I have to like it. So I'm going to say no, not possible, because I ship them way too hard. I shamelessly ship them to the point that I know it annoys people and I don't even care. But yeah, I no, no. We we have that in Star Wars. We can't have it in this one. Too. I was just thinking that too. The Leia good, Luke Good thing. call. I didn't put that together. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also completely disagree. I, I like feel that if there was a child that went missing from the castle, people would freak out about it. And so like, I, I find it not possible that Link is, uh, Zelda's brother or anything like that. Um, and it's just like their, their chemistry does not feel like sibling chemistry. 
I personally am not a huge like shipper when it comes to the Zelda series, but like their chemistry throughout the entire series, it just doesn't feel anything more than or anything else than, you know, what it obviously is implied they are. So I I don't think they're siblings at all. <laughs> you may be right. There's not enough sibling energy there. If my sister got captured, I'd I'd be like, okay, Ganondorf, you can have her. <laughs> you know, call me when you call me when you're sick of her. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, well, there there we go. That is Ocarina of Time uh, Q and A. I feel like we got some good questions in there. So thank you to everyone that uh, that contributed and asked a question over on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you coming on the show, Amanda. This was uh, this is a really great time, and like we said, long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked me because this was fun. It is nice, nice being on this side of the of of the podcast instead of on the organization side. So it's, it's fun being the guest this time. <laughs> I, I feel that in my bones. <laughs> well, that that is going to do it for us. Uh, we are out of here. Uh, we want you to head on over to uh, to iTunes, Spotify. Uh, you know the drill. Wherever you get your podcast, go like and subscribe to the Champions Cast. Leave us a five star review if you think we've earned it. And of course, recommend us to a Zelda fan in your life. Uh, check us out over on Twitter. I am at Spateri316, and Allison is over at uh, Allison Aletha. Uh, that's it. We are out of here until next week. We are going to be back with some Star Fox adventures. Until then. <laughs>